Frequency Cast. Startup in progress. Hi, and welcome to Frequency Cast number 55, the UK's digital TV and technology show. The show that's based on feedback from you. My name's Carl, and with me as ever is our tech guru, Pete. Today we'll be looking at the game changing Kindle. Could this do for books what the iPod did for music? Here's a look at what else we're covering in today's tantalizing take on technology. Sky's Anytime Plus service launches soon. What can we expect? Social ways to fix your PC. Drive around and save money. A look at how Project Canvas promises to change on-demand TV. Save your cars from dings and dents with our gimmicky gadget. Plus your questions on Freesat, Internet Radio and Vision HD. First off, here's Pete with the latest TV and tech news. Frequency cast. Now loading. News. We start with a name to listen out for, Diaspora. This service launches on the 15th of September 2010 and is an open source rival to Facebook. Diaspora will soon be offering social networking without the privacy issues that continue to trouble Facebook users. Also note that Google's having another stab at social networking after the failure of their Wave and Buzz offerings. Watch this cyberspace to see what Google has up its sleeve. Next, On Demand TV. Disney-owned ABC will soon be launching an on-demand service in the UK. The ABC on-demand service will launch on the 15th of September, offering content such as Desperate Housewives, Private Practice, Criminal Minds, Lost, Ugly Betty and Cougar Town. The content will be available as part of the TV pack or on a pay-per-view basis. Staying with on-demand, the ITV player will become available on PlayStation 3 consoles by the end of 2010, joining the BBC iPlayer. ITV Player will also be available to Freesat users from this autumn. ITV has also confirmed it will be offering ITV 2, 3 and 4 in HD as a subscription-only service on Sky later this year, starting with ITV 2 HD in October. Some digital radio news now. Smooth Radio is available nationally now ahead of a full launch on the 4th of October. Smooth is also now available on Freesat. Absolute Radio Extra, with their sports service, has also recently gone live, and for the next few weeks you can hear Absolute 90s nationally. Next, are you thinking of getting Freeview HD? While some boxes will cost you in the region of £150, there's now a cut-price HD box on offer. See the link to the Technica Freeview HD box on our show notes. HD for just £70. Some channel news now. At the start of September, you can expect Comedy Central HD to appear on Virgin Media. Also, a reminder that Vintage TV starts on the 1st of September, offering a TV service for the over-50s. It's on Sky and Freesat. Also, to remind you, Virgin One will be rebranding as Channel One from the 3rd of September. Now, any Dragon's Den fans out there? If you are watching in August, you'll have seen the Wand TV Remote Control featured. We covered this way back in December's show number 46. You heard it here first, folks. If you missed it, see our show notes for the links to our full review. And finally, SatNav owners stand by to be shouted at. Following a successful Facebook campaign with over 26,000 members, turn-by-turn instructions from Brian Blessed will be available for your TomTom SatNav in October. Praise be. If you can't wait until then, another familiar voice has just been launched. Turn around when possible. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Thanks, Pete. 
For more on these and other stories, visit frequencycast.co.uk slash news. Frequencycast, now loading. It certainly is. And uh, what are we going to focus in on today? Today, we're talking about this lovely, sexy, slimline black device that I've just handed to you. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, it is sleek. Oh, that's thin, isn't it? Looks a bit like a, a solar panel with a, a quirky keyboard on the bottom of it. Are you going to power it up? Mm, okay, let me just do that. There you go. This is an Amazon Kindle, the third generation of their electronic book reader. And this is a little bit of a game changer. They've really thought this device through. So this is like the Sony ebook reader, is it, but better? Pretty much. When the Sony ebook reader came out, it offered the same kind of idea. You can download books, take them away on holiday and read using this e-ink stuff. So it's a, a white background, black ink, and it's quite a handy, clever way of, of reading books. Right, yeah, I remember those. That was very clever, the way the... the looked like an Etch-a-Sketch, didn't it, behind the screen. I like that. But why do I want a Kindle over the e-book reader? Because I thought the e-book reader was quite slick. The Sony reader was actually pretty impressive, to give it its credit. There was one big problem, though, which was actually getting the books onto it. So what you'd have to do is go onto the Sony store, find a book you're after, download it as an electronic file import it into your Sony application on your PC and then plug in the USB, copy the book across, which is all a bit of a faff. It wasn't overly smooth and slick. What the Kindle does, obviously it's an Amazon product, so it's linked to the Amazon bookstore, nearly half a million books available instantly, and it uses a Wi-Fi connection or even a mobile phone 3G connection to automatically connect to Amazon's bookstore. You type in the author or the, um, the title of the book and it will just download it over the air straight onto your machine. No faffing, no connecting to a PC, no importing. How long does that take? They actually say it will do it within 60 seconds, but you can literally find a book and be reading it within 60 seconds. Wow. Well, I'm impressed with that bit. But what I'm not impressed with, you said it has Wi-Fi or a mobile phone connection or something. Does that mean I'm paying monthly subscriptions here? Yeah, you'd think. That's what I first saw. When I saw um, ebook reader with a mobile phone in it, I thought, OK, so you're going to have to presumably take out a contract to use this thing. But you don't. What they've done is they've done a deal with Vodafone in the UK so it has a sim card built in and it's got to effectively it talks to the mobile phone network makes a data connection to Amazon and you can browse and download onto this device but there's no contract so you pay no extra you buy the device as a one-off fee no extra contracts or subscriptions all right so i'm happy about that so that means my ebook can double up as a mobile phone then yes mm, yeah i can see where you're going with that but sadly no The mobile phone part of it is there purely for the data to connect to Amazon for books and newspaper downloads. It does, though, have an experimental web browser, though. Have a look at this. Hang on a sec. Wow, that's clever. Oh, that's our site. Cool. That's nice on the eye, better than a proper VDU. Apart from its grayscale, of course. Well, yeah. Nice, but I do have a question, otherwise I'll forget. The Sony eBook reader had an MP3 player. Does this? Yes, it does, actually. You can play back music, audiobooks, and even podcasts, including ours. Although you can't actually download podcasts over the air. If you look at the back, there's a nice set of stereo speakers on the back there. And at the bottom, you can see headphone jack and a volume control. Oh, right. Okay, so you can play it through headphones. But what does it sound like? Well, here's what we sound like. Hi and welcome to Frequency Cast number 55, the UK's digital TV and technology show. So there you go. It can also do text to speech like this. Frequency Cast News 55, location 1. News time on Frequency Cast, and we start with a name to listen out for, Diaspora. 
This new service launches on the 15th of September. There you go. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? Very impressive. So, just a brief description. It's thinner than the ebook. It's lighter than the ebook. It's about half the weight. Um, it's a little bit longer, but not enough longer. And it's just as wide. But the difference being this has a QWERTY keyboard ready for you to write your own books, yeah? They haven't actually added that feature quite yet. Oh, so why the QWERTY keyboard? Isn't that just a bit of a waste of a page? They could have added more text. Yeah, you think, wouldn't you? The Sony reader doesn't have a QWERTY keyboard. This thing does. But if you think about it, because this has got a data connection and you're actually getting your books on the device, you actually need to be able to type in the uh, title or the author of the book that you're looking for. It also has a couple of other nice little features, like uh, this has a built-in dictionary but it's also got access to Wikipedia so you can actually look up a reference in a book if you're reading something and you think oh I wonder what that's about let me find out a bit more about it you can access Wikipedia and again any kind of text entry you don't want to be doing it with a scroll wheel or any weird navigation sticking a QWERTY keyboard on is a really sensible idea so clearly this is not touch sensitive and you've got full access to Wikipedia, which I was quite impressed with. So this makes it an ideal product for a student, I'm guessing. Did you say, can you do some sort of reference? So like you had a paragraph and you wanted to find out what the book was or whatever. You can do a sort of a word search in that sense, can you? Absolutely. So yeah, ideal for students. Download all your reference books, use it as a lookup, do a plain text search on it, find the page and the chapter that you're after. Uh, it's also got a handy little uh, feature that you can share what you're reading using Facebook and Twitter. So again, they've really thought this through. The first generation of ebook readers were just download a book and read it, but this is a lot more smart than that. It's integrating it with the social networks, giving you access to Wikipedia, instant access to books. One other really handy little feature is you can actually download a preview of a book before you buy. So they've really thought it through. And to be honest, I think this is a bit of a game changer. What we're going to see is uh, what we had when iPods came out. It changed the way people get their music. This is actually there now. This has got everything you need on it. And I reckon we might start seeing this becoming a real mainstream device now. Yeah, actually, I can well believe that. This is quite slick. And I was just flicking through this. I can see that the page turn is a lot faster than the old Sony reader as well. It's about half the time, isn't it? And this screen is great. I mean, it just looks like paper. And it's going to be good in the bright sunshine, especially if you're a holiday maker on the beach. So the lightweight is an advantage because, of course, if that's going in your hand luggage, it's not going to weigh too much. It's not going to take up too many of your kilograms, is it? But then, of course, there's the battery charge. Oh, no, don't have to worry about that either. One charge, one month. Well, your average holiday is two weeks, so that means you don't need your charger. It cuts down on weight again. So it really is designed very cleverly for the holiday maker as well. And I'm assuming that students would benefit from this in their rucksacks. Um, saves carrying all those big, large books around for references, etc. and so forth. Plus, you can do research on it. This thing can store 3,500 books. And, of course, you can, wherever you are, as long as you've got a Wi-Fi connection, if you want a new book, you can just download it on the spot. And like you say, charge it once. It'll last you a month. Perfect for holiday makers and a really nice little tool. Very well thought out. Excellent. How much? So when the Sony Reader came out, we were talking about £250 for, for a basic reader. This one, obviously, it's got Wi-Fi built in, mobile phone built in as well, and a QWERTY keyboard, and it's, it's updated. So given that the reader was £250, how much do you think this Amazon product comes in at? £310. £109. Sorry? How? <laughs> exactly. The Wi-Fi only one is £109. The one with Wi-Fi and mobile phone is £149. So a little bit more for the mobile phone part of it. But yeah, Amazon just wants to get it in people's hands. So they are doing it at a very, very cheap price. And obviously they're going to make their money off the sales of the books. You've got to get your books from Amazon. You can get some free books on it. You can also put PDF files on it. But people are going to really be downloading from Amazon. So it's in their interest to make it a cheap device and get it into as many 
many hands as possible. What I have noticed is uh, Waterstones have just slashed the price of their readers. So they're clearly worried that the Kindle's just hit the market. The Sony readers now dropped to almost £100. So how much are the books? Still cheaper than a paperback. We looked at one, £7.99 for the paperback of a top 10 bestseller. Electronically, you can get it for £3.79. So maybe half price. So, in fact, you're going to make your money back on the device within about a year if you read around 20 to 40 books a year. Yeah, yeah, probably a fair way of reading it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool, we've literally just got this. Um, is it available to everyone at the moment, or, or are we being special? Well, this UK version has just come out, and ours actually turned up this morning by courier. And from what we've seen, Amazon's been struggling to get these things out the door over the August bank holiday. We'd actually like to say hi to all of those in the Amazon forum who've been acting as a bit of a support group for us folks waiting for that CityLink courier to turn up. A special thanks to Chris O'Neill for a little bit of inside information on what happens at Amazon's warehouse. If you do want a Kindle, they have currently sold out, but if you order one today, you'll get one by mid-September. If you pop over to our show notes, I'll stick up a nice picture of us holding this device, a few more details on the spec, and details of how to get one of these on pre-order. As it's such a powerful device, it might be worth us doing one of our unofficial guides, perhaps. So listeners, if you'd like to know more and hear a more detailed review, fire over your questions and let us know. Fabulous. So just looking through the list of things to do today, we've also got... uh Project Canvas. Oh, Canvas, yeah, what is this? I've heard quite a bit about this on the news recently. Yeah, you will have done. Project Canvas is a new service that's going to be launching next year. It's a joint venture between the BBC, ITV, Channel 4 and Channel 5, who did pull out for a while, but now they're back. Okay. Also worth mentioning that BT and TalkTalk are involved, as is your favourite mobile phone network operator, Orange. We all love Orange. Now, I still want to know, what is Canvas all about? Okay, so it's an on-demand TV service. This is intended to kind of pull everything together. All of the individual uh, on-demand TV services like the ITV Net Player and Channel 4 OD and BBC iPlayer, it links it all together. But rather than being the free seven-day catch-up service, it's going to be a mix of the free and the paid-for content. So if you want to watch on-demand telly, the ultimate idea is Canvas is going to be your one-stop shop for that. Okay, that's very clever, but haven't we got something like this with Sky and Virgin? We haven't quite got it with Sky yet. We've got it with BT Vision and we've got it with Virgin. And there's also some new boxes out there. We've got things like the Fetch TV and the new uh, 3V box that are out there all doing this but the idea is this is going to be pulling absolutely everything together nice and consistent the way it's actually going to be sold is you buy a free view box and this service is available as part of it they're also putting in some extras so it'll link into facebook and into twitter so you can share what you're viewing with other people get it as a free view box so you get your live tv with free view plug it into the internet for your on-demand content and it means you're not tied to something like a Virgin or a BT contract which is where it's going to potentially beat the rest. Oh, I see. That's where they're being clever. I bet there are quite a few upset people about this, aren't there? Yeah, funnily enough, yes. Sky and Virgin are both not happy with this but for different reasons. What are they? At the start of August, Virgin lodged a complaint with Ofcom, the regulators, uh, saying that they thought Project Canvas was anti-competitive, a cartel that would crush the online TV market. Okay, so they're quite opinionated. Yep. Sky went with a slightly different angle. They're pretty anti the BBC's involvement. Uh, The BBC is obviously using licence fee money to go into developing this. And that Sky's angle is it shouldn't be uh, using public funds for uh, effectively what could become a commercial service. Right. So what we're looking out for is Project Canvas, yes? That's what it'll be called, yeah? That's just the working title. The current plan shows this service launching in spring 2011. It's not going to be called Project Canvas. That's the working name. The smart money is on it being called UView. UView? What's the connection? Sorry. I think they're trying to go somewhere between YouTube, so your video service, and Freeview. Oh, I see. Very good, yeah. A bit trademarky, sort of link in with others. Yeah, nice. Should have thought of that, shouldn't I? 
There you go. So keep an eye out for Canvas. More news when we get it. Fantastic. So that probably means that Sky is going to be the only one that doesn't do any on-demand stuff now, I guess. You're sort of right with that. I mean, they've got their Sky Player, which is their internet-based on-demand service, but it's nothing you can actually watch on your telly, which does make it a little bit limiting. And also, it's a subscription service, which can put it out of the reach of some people. However, soon we are going to be seeing something called Sky Anytime Plus, launched by Sky. All right. You've got some pictures for me there. Yeah, what you're looking at here is a screenshot. Anyone that's got a Sky Plus HD box would recognise what this looks like. And we'll stick up a picture on our show notes. But effectively, it's the Sky Electronic Planner. And what we can see here is the Anytime Plus screen, which has various different categories. Yeah, including uh, showcase, entertainment, lifestyle, movies, sports and docs. What's docs? Documentaries. Oh, not some kind of online GP. <laughs> nice idea, no. And you can see at the bottom there's little thumbnails here and a play button. The intention is there's going to be something like 500 movies on here. And also box sets, so the uh, idea of you could just get a box set of Lost and watch it from your uh, Sky service. Sky's also recently done a deal with HBO, so all of the HBO shows you can also, in theory, be able to get on any time when it launches. Wow. And when does this come out? As we're recording, no fixed date. It's probably a month or two away is our best estimate. You will need a Sky Plus HD box. The standard Sky and Sky Plus boxes don't do it. You need the HD box. You also need an internet connection, obviously, to make this work. Right. The slight downside is it's only going to work with Sky's own broadband service. Oh, I see. That's the little hook that gets the fishy in. That's it. So Sky want you to sign up for their broadband service as well. It's a wired connection, so it uses the Ethernet connection on the back of your Sky Plus box. There is talk of a wireless adapter, so it'll do it over Wi-Fi. No details on that yet, and that'll be a chargeable optional extra, as best we understand it. Okay, and how much money do I need to part with with this one, then? Well, this is actually going to be part of your Sky subscription. Obviously, you're going to have to have the broadband as well from Sky, uh, but some of the content, of course, is going to be chargeable. So if you do want one of these box sets or a movie, you'll be paying for that on a sort of a pay-to-view basis. Oh, it's not so bad after all. Next up, it's time for some social collaboration. Or is that actually just you and I are we going down the pub yes social collaboration do you know what that is not really pub <laughs> McDonald's <laughs> happy meals so this is something we're going to talk a little bit about today social collaboration the idea that you've got a crowd of people out there if you pull all your people together you can create something good the big example of this is Wikipedia oh yes it's where you learn nothing about everything that's the one. So you can create a Wikipedia entry, other people can edit it, and in theory you've got a very up-to-date and slightly odd uh, database that anyone can contribute to. Right. So how does this get any bigger? Wikipedia is Wikipedia, and that's absolutely fine and dandy, but there are a few other things that some of our listeners might not have actually come across. So I'm going to give you a couple of other examples of other collaboration tools that might be handy things for people to try. Okay. The first one I'm going to talk about, just to give you an example of collaboration, is my pet favourite. Now, you hate this. When we go out for an occasional drive after recording, I've always got my smartphone on with one application running. Go on, what's that? Waze. Waze. It's a little app, sits on your smartphone connects to GPS and you drive about and it munches roads and the idea is we're building up a completely free user-generated set of roadmaps with speed alerts and uh, road conditions and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. I'm a Waze editor so I drive and create roads for the little area I live in and update all the maps and everything else. If you haven't tried Waze, give it a go. It's a really cool way of collaborating and sharing road data. And you're, you're working very hard on this, aren't you? Because you only do it on your push bike. Yes, I've got the uh, special frequency cast cycle clips on today, as you can see. Oh, I thought you were trying to bring baggies back in from the 80s. Very good example of, of social collaboration 
collaboration. The next one I want to talk about is something called Salutu. Okay, so what does Salutu do to, to you? First off, let me spell it because I've probably pronounced it wrong. S-O-L-U-T-O dot com. Now, one of life's big frustrations is PCs and the fact that they're slow and they crash and they don't do what they want and they're a bit of a pain. Agreed? Yeah. So the beauty of this is it's crowdsourcing for your PC. So what it will do is it will look at all the applications that start up when your PC boots up. It's got something called frustration detection. So if it sees things going wrong, it can help you out. And basically, it will share all of the data it collects about how these machines boot up, what goes wrong with these, and harness the power of the crowd to give other people help with solving their PC problems. Right, I see. So it's a social help network. Pretty much, but there's some automation to it. So it monitors what your computer's up to and where it sees you getting frustrated it will see how other people have solved their frustration for the same problem. How does it know that you're frustrated? Oh, it's very clever. It's not got like a, a Wii camera on you and sees you <laughs> smashing the keyboard. It's using this thing called PC Genome to try and work this out. And I think the idea is if it frustrates you, it probably frustrates other people. So by comparing problems and bottlenecks, you can actually work out where people are struggling. So it's a really nifty idea, and it's just worth a look. Salutu.com, link up on the show notes, another good example of people helping each other out. Got any more for us? Briefly want to mention this one, Foursquare. Oh yeah, it's for you then, it's for a square. (laughs) This is rather handy. As you go to certain places, you go to a restaurant or whatever, you can see other people's tips and what people think about a... Sorry, is this a Hooters joke? Um, But it lets you see tips about uh, what people have experienced in certain restaurants and certain public buildings. So Foursquare, nice idea. You check in somewhere, put in your tips, put in your thoughts about a certain place and share that information. The other two, something called Voucher Cloud. Now, we used this recently, didn't we? Oh, yeah. This is where you can sit in the restaurant and find out whether you can get a um, five pounds off or something, wasn't it? (laughs) Mid-meal. Now, we did this at our local Frank and Benny's, didn't we? We did. There you go. So, Voucher Cloud, it's on the web. You can also get an iPhone app for it. If you've got a smartphone, you might also want to look at something called Vouchers, which is from moneysupermarket.com. If you've got an Android phone, Vouch AR, all of these little programs give you handy little voucher codes, and it's just a serial number that you show your waiter server uh, or, or the shop that you're in, and it'll give you money off. And it's also for things like travel agents, clothing shops, looking down my one here, Moss the Shop, Pizza Hut, Super Break, Tempin Bowling, Thomas Cook. Free application, and you might find you're saving some money. Onwards and forwards. And now it's time to take a look at our gimmicky gadget of the month. And this time it's... A parking sensor. It's the size of a chunky compact camera and runs off three AA batteries or a 12-volt cigarette lighter. It comes with two sensors that stick to the rear of your car, and it helps to make sure you don't hit anything when you're reversing. Get close to something you hear. Even closer, you get. And at less than 40 centimetres, you get. Oh, and at zero, you get. A cheap DIY parking sensor from Audio Technic, available for £20. Link up on our show notes. But before we go on, I found this. Now, I want to show you this because obviously we were going to put it in Gimmicky Gadget, but I believe this is far too functional for one of those. This is something that should have been around with plugs years ago. Now, this appears to be a triangle made of plastic. A lightweight one which comes in various colours. Okay, what does it do? Right, put it over the end of a plug, pick up that power adapter there. Okay, so I've got a Nokia phone charger, right. Now slip the plastic sleeve over the three prongs. Uh, 
Right, okay, so that's slid in. No, the other way around. <laughs> oh, right, okay. So that's slid in over the three pins of the plug, yeah. Good, right, now get your cable and wrap it around. Oh, I got you. Like that. Oh, that's cool. That simple. Now put the little bar across. Yeah, I got it, okay. So it's a cable tidy for your charges. Yep. Frequency cast. Now loading. Interaction. And now it's time to hear from you, as we take a look at your emails, texts, tweets and calls in interaction. First off, we covered BT Vision in our last show, and we've had a podline call on the subject. My name is James Wilkinson. I have a question about my BT Vision box. I'm puzzled that I can't get high definition on my television, even though I've got a high definition cable. It still doesn't seem to work. I mean, I'm told I can't get high definition, in which case, what's the point of the high definition plug in the back of the BT Vision box? Hi James, yes I agree it's not obvious. The BT Vision box can't get Freeview HD, so having an HD connector on the back does seem a little weird. And there are two reasons why it's there. The first is that the BT Vision box is capable of something called upscaling, and it will upscale Freeview, which means you get a slightly better quality image if you use HDMI as opposed to SCART. Secondly, there is actually some HD content available through the on-demand service. If you go to on-demand, select film, and then find a new film, you'll see an option for HD. And under there, you'll find things like Avatar, Clash of the Titans, and New Moon. As well as movies, you can also find a few TV shows available in HD on BT Vision. And now a curious little call about the ViewQuest, the diddy little internet radio that Pete focused on in our last show. Hi, I'd like to uh, know if I can purchase the Quest Wi-Fi internet radio in the United States. My name is Ryan Hogan. Thank you. Hi Ryan, and thanks for the Skype. The radio appears to be distributed in the UK by a company called ViewQuest, but they don't seem to sell direct to the US. What we'd suggest is you contact the manufacturers based over in China. Their web address is www.full-join.com. That's F-U-L-L-J-O-I-N.com. Next up, an email from Ben Afia. He's been using Sky Plus for ages, but at £31 a month, he thinks he's paying too much and is considering FreeSat, but thinks he'll miss Sky Plus. He's after some advice. Pete, over to you. Hi Ben. Well, from the channels that you've told us you watch, FreeSat should do the job nicely for you, although FreeSat doesn't have anywhere near as many kids' TV channels for your six-year-old. You're right, though, that Sky Plus is a very, very slick interface. I've reviewed lots of other PVRs in my time, and Sky Plus does do the job very well. I've had some good experiences with the Humax, Freesat and Freeview boxes though. The menus are perhaps a little bit clunky, but they're generally reliable and I wouldn't imagine would cause you any kind of problem. I'll put a screenshot up in our show notes for today so you can have a look for yourself. If it is all about the UI for you, perhaps pop into a Comet or a Curry's and take a look on a box before you buy. If you do decide that you're missing Sky Plus, of course, you can always sign up to them again and maybe use the Freesat box in a second room for your kids. Oh, by the way, Ben, nice website. And you've also got us an update on broken Freeview boxes, haven't you? Indeed. Well, the headline for the last show that we did was that some Freeview PVRs have packed up as a result of the InView Electronic Program Guide no longer being broadcast. We heard from Andy Smelt. He has a dead Inverto box, and he contacted the original place of purchase, which in this case was Boots, and was able to negotiate a refund. He's now got £200 towards a new HD PVR, and he's waiting to see what we think of the three-view box and also the new Humax PVR. So are we, Andy. As soon as we get one, we'll let you know. And now I believe you have some news on those pesky power line adapters. 
Yes, I have. Our thanks to Paul Widger for letting us know that there's been a product recall in Greece for some powerline adapters made by Belkin. Thanks also to Paul and Nige for providing the minutes of a meeting at Ofcom in August about the interference from these mains networking products. Present at the meeting were the Civil Aviation Authority, who expressed their concerns over interference, and the BBC World Service reporting complaints from their listeners. The minutes make very interesting reading, and clearly the pressure is mounting. See the links on our show notes. In fact, talking about reading minutes, how's our survey going? Oh, indeed. In the last show, we suggested that our listeners take part in our new listener survey, so we can find out more about you. And we've had some really good feedback. We got one in from Ian Coxall. He suggests we focus in on a new gadget from years gone by. So perhaps the history of computers, digital watches, uh, that sort of thing. Okay, (laughs) sounds good to me. Uh, What what should we do first? I don't know. I was wondering whether our listeners could suggest something. Pick a gadget that's from over, say, 50 years ago, and we'll do the history of that gadget for you. How's that? The Rubik's Cube. Okay. There we go. We've got some other good feedback. We got stop being so Apple-centric. Apple-centric? I I don't feel Apple-centric here. Then we got another one saying more for us Mac users, please. They're so fickle. One minute this, one minute that. We even had one saying, throw us poor Linux users a bone. So yes, there we go. We'll see what we could do. Uh, we also heard from Bob Andrews. He suggested we consider doing a piece on FM scanners. Well, that's a good idea. We'll uh, go out and buy one now. There we go. Do you like that? That's my little Icom R6 portable scanner I've got in my hand here. It's very nice. It's it's small and, 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 and full of functions. We also had the inevitable feedback on the Marmite love and hate that is your humour, Carl. I don't know what you're talking about. I hate Marmite too. And especially a thanks to David Fitzpatrick, who still hasn't replied to our email. Please get in touch, David. I heard you stayed late the other night to uh, respond to him. Anyway, if you haven't added your voice to the survey yet, go to our website, the show notes for today's show, and there's a banner ad for our new listener survey. We'd love to know what you think. Well, that's all we have time for in this show. If you've got a comment or a question, you can text us on 07882 043521. Email us via our site or leave us a voicemail on 0208133 We aim to answer every question we get, so uh, give us a try. Frequency cast. Shutdown in progress. Well, that's all for this show, show 55. For news updates or to get in touch, please stop by frequencycast.co.uk. While you're there, click the Add us to iTunes button. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for FrequencyCast. Thanks for listening to our tantalising take on technology. And if you like what you've heard, please spread the word. FrequencyCast. Shut down.